Welcome to episode 213 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. We are 100 days away from the end of the year. There is an urge this time of year to cross as many projects and tasks off our proverbial to-do list as possible. In reality, the number of days left isn't actually 100 when you factor in the occasional day off, that thing called weekends, and all right, the holidays. I know for some of you, holiday is just another day that ends in Y when you're in a pandemic and none of your usual holiday traditions feel easy to pull off. But it's still important to set reasonable goals for what can be accomplished in the final quarter of the year. As odd as it sounds, I've had success several years in a row losing 10 pounds between Halloween and Christmas by being really on plan every non-holiday day. It's actually kind of amazing what kind of transformation you can achieve in just 100 days. This year, I've got a very particular business goal in mind to end 2020 strong and set myself up for 2021, which to be honest, still sounds like a futuristic year to this kid born in the early 70s. I'm going to focus on increasing my LinkedIn engagement by posting new content every non-holiday weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Quite a bit of that content will be video, a mix of my philosophy when it comes to Zoom and online engagement, specific lessons to get you better at using Zoom technology, and of course, the occasional life story with an interesting business twist. I've never had that kind of consistency when it comes to LinkedIn, which doesn't actually make sense since I have 7,000 connections. I mean, you can even reach out and request specific topics for future LinkedIn content. Are we not yet connected on LinkedIn? Please send a connection request. I would love to get to know you. You can find me at LinkedIn dot com slash in slash Robbie Samuels. I'm pretty easy to find. Your challenge this week, what's something you can do consistently between now and the end of the year that will set you up for even more success in 2021? Make sure the goal is only a bit of a stretch and not completely unreasonable. Then map out the specifics. What will you do? How often? And with what outcome in mind? Finally, announce your intentions to your community and ask them to hold you accountable by providing the support and encouragement you need to keep going. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, onto this week's interview. Today's guest is a systems expert helping coaches get over the tedious task of running their business and focus on what they love, the actual coaching of amazing clients. She has worked with thousands of startup coaches over the last 16 years sharing the value of strong business systems and processes. Her goal is for coaches to turn their passion into profits. To make that possible, she created the Coaches Console, software that leverages the systems she created in her own coaching business for branding, list building, marketing, enrolling clients, creating amazing client experiences, and much more. All of that is integrated into one cohesive platform. She and her team blend coaching with training to help you create a clear and realistic path to sustainable results. Please join me in welcoming Melinda Cohen. Hey, Robbie. It's so good to be here. And hello to everybody listening in. Melinda, thanks so much for joining us from your place in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, I'm thrilled to have you on here. You and I were having a coffee chat and you started sharing your story. And I was like, wait, wait, I want this on air. So (laughs) as you know, this is a show about building strong networks and 
the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Mm, Such a great question. Um, When I think about leadership, it takes me back to growing up. My dad uh, was a minister and um, my first experience with leadership was servant leadership. And just really witnessing, seeing, and experiencing firsthand, uh, giving and serving others, providing value, supporting others as a way of leading. And that's how, without even realizing it, that's the kind of leadership that I adopted in my own business, with my team, with our community and our clients, and just serving and providing value as a way to lead and guide them to their goals, their dreams, their desires. Well, it sounds like having such a strong leadership figure in your family like had a real impact on you. Do you ever have particular moments where you saw him sort of acting that out? Ooh, um, one of the the first memory that pops up, I'll just go with that one and trust that one. Um, as he was a minister, he um, he and my mom both. Uh, dad was a preacher, mom was a teacher, so I got kind of the combination of that in both of those they ran the youth group in the church and they, um, they had a special way of running the youth group. So they always had a really large youth group and kids, even from other churches wanted to be a part of this. And that was one place where I really saw that we would, every year we would work towards going on a camping trip of some sort with the youth group. And I watched mom and dad and the other, um, chaperones, I guess they were called, the other adults that went on the trip with us, uh, guide and teach all of the kids in the youth group, all of us, through that servant leadership. They weren't just teaching and telling, but they were in it with us, whether it was setting up camp or cleaning the cleaning up after breakfast or whatever work we were going out and doing. Um, that it was always ingrained in the in the youth group and they modeled it so that we could learn that in action right there. Oh, I love like having seeing that early on, you know, that can really inspire you to be a certain way. At what point did you start to realize you had that same leadership opportunities or, or I don't know, something was inside of you? Do you think people saw that like when you were, I don't know, uh, what was Melinda like in the playground, like in high school, like pre, pre you know, pre-adult life? What, what was life like for you? Well, I don't know if we want to go back there or not. That that might take a little more than this show. Um when I'm pre being in business, pre being a leader officially, um, you know, in high school, I, it was less about leadership in high school, but really more when I started working that I saw that those skills coming out. Um, you know, in high school, I was a band geek. I was also a cheerleader. Like I covered all grounds when I was in high school and, um, I think my leadership more in high school was being inclusive, paying attention to people from all different groups or cliques and connecting with a lot of them and and just uh, taking it across several different areas, if you will, within school. But I really saw it started coming out in when I started my job before, because I never thought I'd have my own business, not in a million years. Uh, But when I had my job, the way that I led my teams was always from a coach approach. And I didn't know what coaching was. I had no idea that it was an industry. It was a profession. You could get paid for this. I didn't even know that that existed, but that was my natural style of leading people. 
And that's when I really saw that develop was with my, um, the teams that I worked with and that I managed and the groups that I led in my job. I just, I, I have to go back to the first part of your answer where you said you were both a band geek and a cheerleader. I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I've met anyone else who can say that. And that gives you a very particular perspective. And it means that you are sort of the, the, the connector of all these different various yeah. groups that would normally not connect. Cause you're like, yeah. these are all my peers. Like I don't distinguish between my peers. They're all my friends. And so that, that's a, that in itself says a lot about you that you were okay with putting yourself in that position, even at an early age. Like I think some yeah. people who were drawn to cheerleading and also banned would have just made a decision and not wanted mm. the like difficulty of trying to navigate both, you know? Yeah, that was, it was tricky. Like, you know, being a band geek, guys in marching band, love marching band. And, but I was a cheerleader for football, right? So I'm in my cheerleading outfit and somehow I convinced the cheerleading squad leader and the band director that I was going to still march during halftime. So I'm on the field, everybody else is in their band uniform. I'm in my cheerleading outfit marching. And then I get done with that and I go back to cheer. So I figured out how to make it work so I could be in all those things. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it was <Wow>. interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I love asking these questions because I feel like it, it illustrates kind of a, a, you know, we are who we are. We always have been. And yeah. That, that carries through in your story. So what did you think you were going to be when you grew up as you were like heading into the world, you know, in college, post-college, like what was the big plan for your career? Well, the big plan I thought I had in place um, ever since I was uh, a teenager, even before being a teenager, um, one of my favorite things to do is to create beautiful spaces. I mean, when I was growing up, I would lock myself in the room on a Saturday and I would rearrange my room and redecorate it and redesign it and have so much fun while everybody else is out playing, riding bikes, whatever. I'm inside messing around the house. So I always knew I wanted to be an interior designer. It's what I went to college for, what I majored in, what my first jobs were in. Um, and it wasn't until I got fired that I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, but before I got fired, I was dabbling in coaching. A colleague of mine had said, hey, I'm hearing one of my friends talk about this thing called coaching. And I get their newsletter and it's really describing how you are working in our teams. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I learned that coaching was about helping people be their best. And that's really ultimately how I define leadership, helping people be their best I loved interior design because I loved setting up space. So when somebody walked into that space, it supported them in a way that they could be their best. And when I found out coaching was all about that, I'm like, well, I don't have to work with the space. I can just work with the person. And that's when I knew. So when I got fired from my job, I was like, okay, nobody else is going to be in charge of my future. I'm going to be in charge of my future. I started my own business, went into coaching and have been doing it for uh, over 16 years now. So, so what were, was the work when you got fired? Was that actually interior design work? Yeah, I was an oh. interior designer. I had started dabbling in coaching. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Yeah. So I started working with colleagues, my boss, friends, kind yeah. of in the evenings, on the weekends, and was just kind of dabbling in it as a hobby. I'm like, whoa, okay, this is, a, this is an interesting thing. And I thought that's all it was ever going to be. It was just kind of a right. little side thing. Yeah. And uh, I started coaching more and more and um, 
my, the boss at the business that I was in could see the writing on the wall. I could not see the writing on the wall. Um, and so then they're like, okay, you're, you're done because the position I was in, they were grooming to take over the business at some point in the future. And I, and that was not going to happen anymore with this new endeavor coming up of coaching. Isn't it interesting that they saw more in you than you had even realized was your own potential? I don't know that they saw more in me. They saw what was not going to happen with their business. Yeah. (laughs) They saw you weren't committed to their business. They saw I wasn't committed to that (laughs) as I had been. They could see that piece, but I don't, I don't think they, I know that they did not see more in me than I could see. I couldn't even see it. I just knew, okay, nobody's ever going to tell me what I am or am not doing with my job and my revenue. So this is early 2000s. Is that right? Yeah, that was 2002, 2003. Yeah. yeah. Which which is a difficult economy still at that time yeah. frame. Yeah. And uh, I started my coaching business, had a lot of success really fast with that. Uh, went on to start a second business, the Coaches Console. And then, you know, 2008 hit and everybody told me you should just go, go back and get a job. This is, you'll never make it through this recession. And every year, year after year, success, more success. And it just kept growing because that's what's needed in a reception in a recession is, you know, people need that guidance and support and accountability to make it through it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thinking about how you made that first shift that like, from hobby, you know, helping friends sort of in evenings and weekends to it becoming more formalized. Like, was there a mindset shift for you? Did you have a coach? Like, was there, was there something you didn't know that you needed to get help with? Like, what was the challenge or, or sort of barrier to you making that shift early on? I mean, this is, a, I know we have to roll back the clock a little bit <laughs> to remember that yeah. moment because it's no longer yeah. your apprehension, I bet. You know, you've moved past that. But what was that like in this first like year or so? Well, before I was fired, I, um, kind of going back to what I said earlier, you know, with my dad being a a minister, I knew that when I got those intuitive hunches or I heard those voices or, uh, I knew to pay attention to that. That wasn't foreign to me. Right. And so, um, when I, when my colleague had shared, Hey, this coaching thing sounds like you within a short time frame. That was one reference. I read about coaching in a magazine. I'm like, huh, there's that coaching thing again. And then there was a third time that I heard about it. And I'm like, okay, wait, when things happen in threes, you better pay attention. So I was like, all right, I have to find out about this thing called coaching. And um, totally unrelated, or so I thought at the time, I was also, uh, I love snow skiing. One of my favorite passions in the world And I was also recently divorced. It was a real crappy time in my life back then. Recently divorced and my ex-husband and I used to ski all the time. And so when we got divorced, I stopped skiing. One of my interior design clients, an office that I was working on, uh, they were big skiers. And so they had all these pictures. So I started talking about skiing and I found out about a local ski club that goes on trips out West, Canada, over Europe, and they go skiing. And I was like, I can't, I don't know anybody in that group. There's no way I can join something like that. And Yet I find my, he told me about this trip that needed a single female traveler to fill an opening. And I signed up that evening. I, I reached out to the trip leader that was organizing the trip. And I said, hey, I'd love to find out more. He just happened to be in my office the next day. He's like, oh, I'll stop by your desk. And I'm like, wow, okay, great. So I signed up, 
for that trip. And as I'm filling out the application and writing my check to him for the trip, he says, oh, by the way, you've got to meet uh, my wife. Her name's Kate. You're going to love her. She's a life coach. And I'm like, wait a minute. And my knees buckled and I sat down in my seat and I was like, okay, this is not about the ski trip. And on that ski trip, I met Kate, who since became my business partner. And uh, on that trip, we would ride up the chairlift and I would ask her questions. What is coaching? How does it work? They pay you? How do they pay you? I can't believe this is an industry. And I just, la, 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 as we go up the mountain and then we ski and then up the mountain, la, 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 just question after question. And just finding out as much as I can about this profession as a career and as an industry. And so then she said, well, the best way to learn about coaching is to hire a coach. So I hired her as my coach just to really experience it. And so I could see how it was my natural skill set, but there was some structure to it. And I was like, okay, so I've got to understand and become conscious of this unconscious skill set that I have. So that it wasn't a barrier. It was just a process, right? So I uh, pursued coach training. And, um, and then my natural, another little weird quirk about me is I, I think from both left brain and right brain at the same time. So I am the creative visionary type and also the details, logistical checklist, all of that happens together. So systems, processes, efficiencies, I geek out over that and I love it. And so it wasn't, I was like, oh, you want to start your business? Organize all your departments. And so before I ever even attempted to go out and get clients, I spent a little bit of time uh, behind the scenes. Is everything I need to put myself out there? If somebody wants to find out more, how do I do that? If somebody wants to have a conversation, what needs to be in place? And all those behind the scenes questions, I put everything in place. Uh, And then I was like, okay, I feel good about putting myself out there. And so then it was just a matter of networking. And I joined a networking group, turned the local coffee shop into my office, and it was just like a rotating table the next person would come in and I just started meeting with people and telling them about what I was going to be doing. And then from there I built my clients. You have to admit that uh, when you're describing yourself as both left and right brain, I was flashing back to you being both the the band geek and the cheerleader. There you go. There it is right there. (laughs) You're you're like, yes, I like the order and the creativity. I like the both, you know? Um, So you are who you are and you always have been, right, Melinda? That's true. That's true. So this is really interesting because, you know, like you said, this was not a well-defined profession. It was still kind of nascent. I mean, even now there are no like guiding principles, ethics, or like, you know, licensing rules for coaches. You know, I have an MSW of a master's in social work. And if I wanted to be a licensed social worker, there's a whole exam I'd have to take, you know, like in order to be qualified to say that I was a licensed social worker and yet anyone can be like, I'm a coach. And you know, that's still true today. But back then just finding people who were professionalizing this and thinking about this in a serious way, you're so fortunate to have found uh, Karen who like, um, Kate, Kate, thank you. I was like, I'm not sure if I got the name right. So I'm so glad you found Kate to like help you sort of see the, like you said, the framework of this business um, but the question I had asked you over our little coffee chat that started this was like, okay, that's all good. It's clear you're drawn to coaching. But then I was like, how did you become this like tech guru who like built this, like, you know, <laughs> this coaching console software that leverages systems and like, it's a very different approach now that I'm hearing you talk about your left and right brain, it's a little less surprising, but 
what, I mean, you talked about networking as a way of building your business. Is networking also the answer to how this happened to become a thing? Like It is in a roundabout way. Uh, when I was a coach, I, an interesting thing happened. <clears throat> I, like I said, I never in a million years thought that I would have my own business. When I was in interior design school, a lot of my colleagues, that's what they wanted to do. They're like, I'm going to start my own I'm going to open my own design center. And I'm like, what the heck, why would you do that? I'm going to go find a job. I'm going to have a paycheck. It's going to be nice and safe. I'm going to love it. So that's what was my route. And, um, but when I started my business, uh, because the systems and processes came natural to me, you know, within six months I had a full practice, right. And I attribute that to having my stuff together in the back end. So I could feel confident and I could focus on marketing. I didn't have to focus on scrambling or feeling like a fraud or unprofessional because I didn't have my crap together. Right. And I was talking with Kate and I was, I mentioned, we were at a Starbucks and I mentioned, I was like, it's so amazing how easy it is to build a coaching business and have so much success and make such great money at this. Like, this is so amazing that coaches around the world are doing this. And Kate's like, uh, time out, sister. No, that is not what's happening. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you are the rare, interesting percentage that found it easy to set up your business. Most coaches struggle. And when she told me this, I was like, what? And here is an interesting thing that had been going on. I have a lot of these parallel things that seemingly don't relate to one another, but then they eventually do. So just before that coffee conversation with Kate and this aha, um, I forget the time frame. I want to say it was uh, several weeks, maybe a month, close to two months prior to that. I had been riding down the highway. Uh, I was in the car with a friend. They were driving in the passenger seat. And all of a sudden I heard this voice started saying these words and phrases. And it's, I heard this voice as if it was my friend. And I looked over and I was like, what'd you say? And he's like, I didn't say anything. I'm like, huh. But I kept hearing these, this voice saying these words and phrases. So I got a napkin out of the glove box and started just writing down. It was like random and eliminate burdens and distractions, help them live their God-given potential and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I was like, what is that even? I did not know what that meant, but I learned you pay attention, which is why I wrote it on the napkin. So I just kind of tucked that napkin away and I, I tried to understand it. I couldn't make sense of it. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know what eliminate burdens, what burdens and distractions, what's the full potential that somebody's going to live. Like I don't, did not understand any of this until that day that I was talking with Kate and she was like, no, 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 time out. Like you, that is not what coaches experience. They do not experience success. Most struggle with business. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what the napkin means. Work with coaches, help them eliminate the burdens and distractions of their business. Cause it's not their thing. Most coaches, they're born with a skill set of coaching. They're not born with the skill set of business. It's two different aspects of your mind, a different thought process but you have to be great in business if you're going to be a great coach, if you want it to be more than a hobby, right? So I was like, oh my gosh, this is what, this is what that means. And so I just knew, oh, I'm going to help coaches eliminate the burdens and distractions of the business so they can live their full potential. And Kate and I, again, we were at the coffee shop and I pulled out this napkin and I was like, okay, this is way bigger than me. I get that do you want to go into business with me? And so she had a chocolate mocha. She dipped her thumb in it, sealed the napkin with chocolate. And that started our business partnership. And it's like, all right, let's do this. And we're like, what are we doing? We're like, 
I have no idea. We just know we're going to help coaches in business. We're like, okay. So that was it. Finished our mocha, chocolate, whatever we had. And um, then not too long later, I was at a networking event. It was a local, just a local um, chamber after hours, right? Um, And I was standing in line at the bar um, talking to another friend. And I was telling this story, the same story that I just shared with you. And I was telling this story and my aha about the napkin. And I was telling my friend, I was like, I don't really know what it means. I don't know how we're going to help coaches or with their business. I guess we'll have to hire a lot of virtual assistants and outsource them. And I don't really even know. And so my vision at the time was to have this big warehouse of all these virtual assistants that would just outsource. That didn't seem like a lot of fun to me, but I didn't know how else to think about it. And the guy behind me said, I don't mean to interrupt, but I couldn't help hear your story. And he said, if you want to, and this is 2004, he said, if you want to reach coaches and you want to reach coaches everywhere, like around the world, you should use uh, the web. And that's, they still, you know, it wasn't known as the internet back then. It was still the World Wide web. That's what people called it. Um, and I was like, well, what do you mean about that? And he's like, well, I can't really explain it, but I can show it to you. So come meet with me in my office and I'll show it to you. So I went and met in a big wall of whiteboard and they, he and his boss had drawn out how we would use the, the internet to create a, a technology platform where coaches could log in and it would have everything they need in their business organized behind the scenes. And I was like, well, I don't really understand that, but it sounds a lot better than having to handle a lot of virtual assistants. So let's do that thing. And that was how we started the coaches console. And so he was actually able to also help you with the technology. That's why he, he was, was able a to... programmer. So yeah, he so drew he it all out. Oh my gosh. And he drew it all out and he was able to help me understand that people would log in that they would have a screen where it would be a dashboard and then there would be different screens like for the scheduling part of their business or the website part of their business or the client data and all the notes of their business. And I was like, that sounds great. Let's do that. You know, what's amazing is it's hard right now to imagine what that was like for you to be standing there. It's like a foreign language. It, yeah, it was and a foreign language. I'm, I, don't, I'm, I don't even know what the equivalent would be today, but you know, it's like... It, you know, like people saying like, oh, we can just create like a 3D picture that you can turn around in your hand. To like, well, it'd be like, well, seeing a 3D picture, like when the 3D printers came out, you're like, yeah. this thing is going to print a, a 3D thing that I can then actually take and use. Like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It's sense. like, it's it yeah, is just like a, a leap of technology and like from, from what you'd experience up to that point. And your whole life is full of serendipity. But I also think that you look for it. So yeah, I, I'm I th- aware of it. Yeah, yeah, I think that you will find more serendipity when you're looking for it. I, I think that's sort of a, a thing about that that most people don't realize. But you are open to it. You say yes to things. Um, you, you into it like this thing happened over here in my life and this other thing kind of random happened over here in my life. And if I kind of talk about them together, then I'm going to listen and someone else is going to add their thought. And I'm not going to be like, who are you, random dude, who's like interrupting my conversation at the bar? <laughs> Go yeah, away. It's like, stop being nosy, which is like, right. oh, what do you have to say? Let's yeah. find out what this is. Because, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like I'm sure like his approach could have been just like seen as a come on, you know, like 2004. Like, sure. And he's talking about nonsense, too. Like yeah. he's, he comes to you and he's like, I've, I can tell you about flying 
cars. And you're like, the what? The what? <laughs> It does sound weird when you talk about it now. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's a miracle that it actually all came together. <laughs> it really is. Which is why when you were starting to tell me the story, I was like, I can't hear the ending. I need to like pause you. So this is so fascinating. So 16 years ago, and since then, you've developed this, this product. And how do people... Like when they find this, where what stage of business are people usually in when they realize they need this? Like, is it really for super beginners or is it for people who are like a year or so in, they've got some clients, they realize they're at their max of like what they can do on their own? Or is it five years in when they're like, I, I can't grow any bigger, like, ah, I'm stuck, yeah. you know, like the, the burden of like too many clients and not enough systems. Like when do people go, oh my gosh, I really need this? Well, I'll share two answers with you. I'll share the, oh my gosh, I really need it answer. And oh my gosh, here's when you should need it answer. I'll share both of those because they're very different. So the, the, oh my gosh, I really need this from the coach, right? Is usually um, one to two years into their business. Because so many coaches, again, because they have the mindset of a coach, they love coaching. They realize I am born to help and serve and support people. And I want to do more of this. So their emphasis is always on the coaching, the skill, the gift that they're born with. So they just want to do more of that. And they realize, oh, wait, I, I think I have to have a business if I want to do more of this. I have to go find a job doing it, or I have to have a business so I can get more people doing this thing. And so the focus is always on coaching, finding those clients and coaching those clients and less on the business to get those clients because of the the side of the brain that they think out of, right? And so they start their entrepreneurial journey from that perspective. And as a result, they're like, okay, let me just go find clients because I just want to help people. And if I don't get paid, fine, I'll be pro bono and I'll get some experience and then eventually I'll get paid. And, And so they start down that path. And then every time they go, they take a step, they're like, oh crap, now what do I do? They have that, oh crap, now moment. They're like, oh, I got to figure out how to get some forms to them. Oh my gosh, I got to figure out how to organize my schedule. Oh my God, they got to pay me. How are they going to pay me? And their life is filled with this, oh crap, now what? And they can usually make it work up until about a year. And then that energy gets exhausting And then it's like this, you know, that the circus, those spinning plates, there's like 20 sticks and the guy's spinning plates. And that's what the entrepreneurial journey feels like from that approach. And they're like, if I stop, it's all going to come crumbling down. And they usually only have maybe five clients because anything after that, or maybe they have a few clients in a group, but anything after that, the current systems that they have in place, whether they're intentional or not, are, um, they're not the repeatable automated type of systems. They're the reinvent the wheel every time type of system. So it really puts a limit on how far they can grow. So when they get to about a year in maybe five, six clients, they're like, something has got to happen. Like one of our graduates, she was like, I feel like my business is being held together by spitballs and duct tape. And it's like, yeah. And I was like, but your dreams are much bigger than that. So you have to change something. And the thing you change is the business because you can leverage so many points in your business to free up your time, free up your energy so that you can focus on your clients. And so that's what we talk about. So when people think they need it is usually about a year to two years in when they hit that ceiling of the, oh crap, now moments piling up and about five or so clients. 
when they should have it, if I could get my hands on everybody, it's as soon as they say, I want to be a coach, right? But there is a small percentage of the world that will say, okay, let me stop thinking about my passion. Let me think about business so that I can then think more about my passion later. Like that's just not how the world thinks. But the sooner you can be intentional about your systems, uh, the sooner you can do more of what you love, right? And that is, as the saying is true, structure breeds freedom. And this is a perfect example of that happening. Wow. I mean, as a person who, I'm a systems thinker, like I, I love processes, I love systems. So like, this is totally my, like, I'm like, yay, I'm so excited <laughs> this exists. Um, and I'm going to get to work with it because you and I work together at Miracy and you have just brought this to Miracy. You and Danny created this great partnership. And so I'm one of the coaches that will now get to experience this working at Miracy with all, I mean, and, and like you said, I have more than five that I work with. So I do need some systems. <laughs> like we cobbled together some ways of working together, but this sounds like a lot smoother and, you know, me and my, my various Google spreadsheets can probably all be laid to rest. <laughs> um, I will have a different yeah. method and format. So this is, um, sounds incredibly promising. Do you, is some of the barrier for people an investment or is it a money investment or a time investment that holds them back from saying yes to this early on? A lot of them, um, a lot of them believe it's a, a money investment. It's the, I believe it's a mindset investment. Yeah. It's a mindset shift, right? Because they think, well, I don't have enough clients, so I don't need to create a bigger system or I don't have, I don't need to have different systems in place because I don't have that many clients. When I get more clients, then I'll create a bigger business or a better business. And that kind of, when I have this, then I'll do that is the death of business. You will reach burnout before that's like the dangling carrot, right? You will reach burnout before you ever get to that dangling carrot. And so that's the mindset that has to turn around. I need to invest in my business so that I can do more of my business. And you want to build the business you want to grow into, not the business that you have right now. So I'm very fortunate that Dora Clark has been my friend and mentor and for a bit my business coach over the last 12 years. And I watch her growth. Um, she became this like tremendous coach and international speaker and three off books of three author, sorry, author of three books. And I was getting ready to launch my, my first book and which I still talk about as my first book. It's my only, but it's my first, right? Others will come. There'll be others. Yeah. There'll be others. So my first book, and I was asking her about like, when do you know you need help, additional help? And she said, you need help before you know that you need it. And she said, you know, when her first book came, she didn't have a VA or any kind of you know, team and the flood of inquiries like took over and, yeah. you know, she has a lot of capacity, like she's really smart and really fast, but it really like quickly outgrew what she could do. And then in the middle of all that, she had to onboard someone, she had to find somebody, onboard somebody, blah, 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 create systems. And so I was like, well, I don't really have any income from this whole thing. How do I? So I actually, I had someone apprentice as my VA yeah. for a summer, for three months, I trained them on a book launch and on podcasting, like how to do podcast systems. And in exchange, they did the work and then they got to then take that on as what they could offer other clients. Yeah. And at the end of three months, I started paying them. 
Right. And it's like, yeah, I, it's I was needed a way in, you know, and I was happy to pay them with my, my, my coaching and as a, you know, as a mentor, as an advisor, like here's, I can train you and things I've done. But I was like, I took that advice to heart. Like, don't push this off and then scramble to fight, figure it out. So by the time yeah. three months happened, I was focusing on a group coaching program. I, I had energy for these other, other wonderful parts of my business because I wasn't struggling with like how to handle the inquiries. Right. So, yeah. And I, one of the things that I love about what you did, I think I, I, this is what I'm hearing is you went quickly from that spot of, I can't afford this. I can't do this to, okay, wait, I'm trusting my coach. This, this needs to be done. So you reframe the question. You're like, how can I, and just in reframing your mindset, how can this be possible? You start thinking differently. You start seeing differently. You start hearing things differently. You start meeting different people and, and being receptive to that just because you're like, okay, if this is what's needed, how can this be possible? That is the mindset shift that's needed instead of, well, I can't do this. I don't have enough clients. When I get more clients, then I'll do something like this. That's the, I can't, which closes you down and leaves you in that, oh crap, scrambling piecing it together with spitballs and duct tape, which really gets you nowhere except hating the calling that you've been giving, which is not what we need in this world right now. Not at all. About 10 years ago, I was at a workshop um, back when we did things in person. <laughs> it feels like 10 years <laughs> well, ago. What's that? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I wrote on a post-it note and I still have the post-it note and it's taped to my desk. I am enough. I have enough. I choose to live with abundance. And yeah. whenever I have a stuck moment, I just have to remind myself of that. And like you said, I then at, reframe the question. And I do believe the relationship to the answer to any business or life challenge. And so I always turn to my network, which it seems like yeah. you're, you sort of intuitively are doing all the time as well. So, all right, I was, we're wrapping up in a minute, but I want, this is one of my favorite sort of questions we, as we do that. If, uh, if we're checking in about your life a year from now, I know we're going to continue to talk because we're like literally going to see each other week to week, but let's say we're, we're talking about all of your success from the previous year. What are we going to be celebrating? What are you most looking forward to a year from now? Oh, wow. Um, well, we are in the process of creating new resources for coaches, for those service-based entrepreneurs. Uh, to help them create even more momentum in their business, especially with the times that we're facing right now with everything, not just the pandemic, but everything that's going on in our world and the radical change that's happening. It requires coaches and entrepreneurs to think and see and be differently in their businesses. And so we're creating new resources that are going to help them uh, create even stronger businesses. Cause I, you know, all always it's to get the world coached. That is what I am here for because when the ripple effect of coaching is far reaching that we can never fully see and appreciate. Uh, but that positive impact on this world, that's where it, that's where it lies is in coaching. And so when I can help other coaches have a stronger business, their ripple effect expands even bigger. And so a year from now, we're going to be celebrating all of the, the new entrepreneurs that we're doubting with everything, all the uncertainty right now, that's gone. And it's like, no, I am clear. I am confident. And I'm putting myself out there. And here's the work I'm doing in this world. And we're going to be hearing stories of the ripple effects of the change and the impact in relationships, in health, in life, in careers, in businesses, in all areas. 
And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to is all those success stories. Wow. I can't wait to celebrate that with you. That sounds amazing. It also makes me think that I've interviewed a lot of people who started their business in 2008, 2009. So, you know, downturn of an economy, people lose their jobs and they discover that they can do this themselves and help people. Yeah. We have an opportunity and we have to be able to not take it, not, um, uh, what's the word? Not take advantage in a negative way of the opportunity, not exploit the opportunity here, but we have to leverage it. And as a coach that has our own business, I believe it is our responsibility to leverage that opportunity when the rest of the world is struggling to be okay with our success because it means we're helping those that aren't. And yeah. that's what we have to get right with. Yeah, both ends. That's awesome. Well, how can people find you and follow your work, Melinda? Uh, the easiest way is Coaches Console, C-O-N-S-O-L-E, like the console of your car, coachesconsole.com. We've got a free resource. It uh, gives coaches just a quick and easy overview of the seven core components that you've got to have and pay attention to in your business, whether you just want to have a business in the upper five figures or break past six figures or even into seven figures. Like It doesn't matter the level of business. These are the seven core fundamental areas that you must leverage and optimize. And so we kind of give you an overview of that to make sure you're not missing anything. So head over to coachesconsole.com. We will have that link in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Melinda, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Thank you, Robbie. What a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Melinda. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 213. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as over 200 archived episodes on this Pinterest-inspired page. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. Are you a presenter who has realized it's not actually reasonable to manage chat and all the tech while giving your online presentation to, let's say, 20 or more participants? I agree. It's a lot to manage. The organization hiring you to present should also pay for you to have a Zoom producer. That's someone who will manage the tech, moderate chat, and give guidance on how to increase engagement. At an in-person event, the organization would have hired the AV team, videographer, photographer, paid for the venue and catering, and had staff on site to support you. You finding and training your own Zoom producer is a value add for your clients who will likely know less than you about what is needed for this role. Would you like to learn more about how to work with a Zoom producer? Email me at Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. If I get enough interest, I'll host a special masterclass to help you decide when having a Zoom producer makes sense, what criteria to use for hiring, and how to find a professional to work with. If you enjoyed this episode with Melinda, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when we'll be interviewing another talent professional who has achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E.
This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.